Thank you for joining us today. This is Expository Insights with Pastor Lyle Wall. As we come to chapter 9 in John's Gospel today, we see sharp contrasts between responding to and rejecting Him and His light. The key truth is that your response to God's light determines your destiny. Let's examine that now. What do you picture when you think of your destiny? Being healthy or unhealthy? Happy or unhappy? Rich or poor? Loved or unloved? There is something about our destiny that is much more important than these things. Our relationship with God. Our relationship with God is wrapped up in our response to Jesus. In John chapter 8, we learned that without Him we live in the dark. With Him, we live in the light. In that chapter, Jesus told us, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Here in chapter 9, verse 5, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world, and your response to God's light determines your destiny. One day Jesus and his disciples went for an ordinary walk that led to an extraordinary experience. They passed by a beggar who had been born blind. There was nothing extraordinary about that. There were many beggars who had various physical problems. But the disciples seized on that man's condition to ask Jesus about a common and incorrect view of the day that all tragedies like this were the result of a specific sin or sins. Jesus quickly corrected their thinking, telling them this was not the case, and more importantly for the blind beggar, he gave him sight. Think of how amazing it would be to come into the world of light to see after all those years of darkness. In addition to the miracle, what also changed the ordinary into extraordinary was that it was a Sabbath day. Back in chapter 5, Jesus healed a lame man on a Sabbath day. The religious leaders exploded with anger because they saw the healing as work, which broke the Sabbath. In that anger, they intensified their efforts to kill Jesus. Now in chapter 9, there is a similar explosion. We see two different responses to Jesus and his light here. Acceptance and Rejection These responses show us that our response to God's light determines our destiny. We will start with the negative response of the Pharisees and then turn to the positive response of the blind man. After that, we will draw some lessons for all of us. The Pharisees' negative, downward progression of rejection had been underway for some time before this. Here it starts with them concluding that Jesus was not from God. The remarkable miracle of Jesus giving sight to the man born blind had the people buzzing and questioning. Some thought that, yes, this was the beggar who had been born blind, whom they had known or seen for years. 
while others thought he was someone who just looked like this blind beggar. Still others didn't know what to think. And, picture this, while all of this debate was going on, the man kept telling everyone, I'm the one. I'm the one. Yes, I'm the man who was born blind. Unable to resolve it, the people took the man and went to some Pharisees who were part of the religious leadership. Verse 15. The Pharisees also were asking him again how he received his sight. And he said to them, He applied mud to my eyes, and I washed, and I see. While some of them wondered, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? Leading to a controversy among them, the conclusion of the majority was, This man, Jesus, is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Once again, they interpreted healing as work, and so a violation of their Sabbath regulations. Because this great light of God's grace and power violated their ideas and regulations, they rejected it out of hand. They concluded Jesus was not from God. They also questioned Jesus' miracle. They not only discredited Jesus, but this man as well. Verse 18, They did not believe it about him that he had been born blind and had received his sight. Their thinking was, He wasn't really born blind. He might not have been blind at all. For all we know, he's had 20-20 vision his whole life. So they called his parents and questioned them. They answered, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know, or who opened his eyes we do not know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. They were fearful. As verse 22 points out, the leaders had already decided to excommunicate to put anyone out of the synagogue who said that Jesus is the Messiah. So these parents said, Don't get us involved in this. We don't want to get in trouble. Pause and think about what this said about this father and mother and their relationship to their son. Staying out of trouble with the religious leaders was more important than standing with their son. He had not done anything wrong. I wonder how their son felt, what this said about, what this did to their relationship with him. His situation brings to mind King David's words in Psalm 27. Even though my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Through all of this, the Pharisees questioned Jesus' miracle. That led them downward to label Jesus as a sinner. The parents didn't help the Pharisees' case, so they turned their attention back to the man. They called him back in and told him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. They were saying, As your religious leaders, we know this Jesus is a sinner. As a sinner, he couldn't have anything to do with your healing. Don't praise him. Give glory to God. 
Then they continued to demonstrate their spiritual blindness. We all know who Moses is, they said, and we know God spoke through him. That word still guides us. But this man, Jesus, we don't know him. We don't even know where he comes from. He isn't worth listening to, let alone following. They were thinking and saying all of this with Jesus, their long-awaited Messiah, right there among them. How ironic! How tragically sad! These keepers and teachers of God's law were spiritually blind. In another place, Jesus pronounced judgment on them because, as he told them, they were blind men, blind guides, blind Pharisees. They were spiritually blind. The progression continues and is complete when Jesus declared them to be unforgiven sinners. After the Pharisees finished their session with the man Jesus healed, they put him out of the synagogue. They excommunicated the man. Jesus found the man who, verse 38 tells us, worshipped him. Now let's pick it up at verse 39. And Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, so that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Those who were with him from the Pharisees heard these things and said to him, We are not blind too, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now that you maintain, we see, your sin remains. Jesus was talking about the results of receiving or rejecting his light. Light always reveals and judges what it contacts. In this case, rejection and sin. Jesus brought both clear light and certain judgment. When Jesus told the Pharisees, If you were blind, you would have no sin, but now that you maintain, we see, your sin remains, he was telling them their claim to see, to know the truth of who he was and was not, left them in their sin. If they did not see or know, they would have not been guilty of the sin of rejecting him, their Messiah, and could be open to his truth. They could be saved. Step by step, the Pharisees' negative progression was downward, confirming themselves in their sin. Their response to God's light determined their destiny. The spiritual progression of the man born blind was strikingly different. It was positive and upward. It started with him at first seeing Jesus as just a man. The people kept asking the man, How then were your eyes opened? His answer, which he kept repeating, was, The man who is called Jesus made some mud and spread it on my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed, and I received sight. The man who is called Jesus. This was a very normal, typical way of identifying someone. 
This was his starting point. He saw Jesus just as a man. But unlike the Pharisees, he was open to God's light, which we see as we move on. He moved forward to recognize Jesus as a prophet. The Pharisees asked the man, verse 17, What do you say about him, Jesus, since he opened your eyes? The man born blind said, He is a prophet. At first he said, The man who is called or named Jesus. Now he had progressed. Calling Jesus a prophet was probably the highest, the best thing he could say after he thought about who this mystery man was who gave him sight. From there he determined that Jesus was the one to follow. The Pharisees rejected the man's testimony. They called in his parents, who wanted nothing to do with this explosive controversy, as we saw earlier. So the Pharisees turned their attention back to the man. Forget about this sinner, Jesus. Give glory to God by telling the truth. Now listen to the response of this poor, uneducated man. Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. So they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You do not want to become his disciples, too, do you? The language of the New Testament had a number of different ways of stating questions. The man's last question to the Pharisees is stated in a way that indicates he expected a negative answer. He knew they had zero interest in following Jesus, but it seems he was ready to give them a bit of a rough ride. His positive progression of response to God's light continues. He now identified himself as ready to follow Jesus, to become a disciple. And the Pharisees understood that. John records, Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are his disciple. We are disciples of Moses. His next step upward was concluding that Jesus was from God. The Pharisees claimed to be followers of Moses and had said they had no idea of where this man, Jesus, came from. On the normal, natural level, this would mean they did not know where Jesus was born or where he lived. But they knew his hometown, where he came from. They were denying that Jesus came from God, was sent by God. But the healed man now knew. He shot back at the leaders. Well, here is an amazing thing, that you do not know where he is from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if someone is God-fearing and does his will, he listens to him. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. How do you explain the clear, 
eloquent, right-on spiritual insight of this poor, uneducated man, especially in contrast to the lack of insight of the learned scholars. The only explanation is that as he responded positively to God's light, God gave him more light. Finally, this man believed in and worshipped Jesus. Jesus found the man. Go to verse 35. Jesus heard that they had put him out, excommunicated him from the synagogue, and upon finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered by saying, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking with you. And he, the man, said, I believe, Lord, and he worshipped him. As a result of God's work in him and his positive response, he now sees Jesus not only as one from God, but gives his faith and reverence to Jesus, signifying that by bowing down before him. While we don't know the depth of his faith for certain at this point, he did reverence Jesus at least as one sent from God. It is possible that he recognized Jesus as the Messiah, his Messiah, his Savior. The progression is complete. He was transferred from darkness to light, both physically and spiritually. His response to God's light determined his destiny. Now let's consider a few lessons for all of us to remember, wherever we are on our spiritual journey. The first lesson is always respond to the light you now have. Everyone receives light from God. Everyone. Everywhere. The Apostle Paul wrote about all people, That which is known about God is evident within them, for God has made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived, being understood by what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Everyone receives this light. This general revelation is not sufficient for salvation, but it points people to God giving them the opportunity to respond positively and then receive more light. The key is how we respond to the light we have. When we do not accept, do not actively and positively respond to the light we have now, we take another step in the negative, downward progression away from God, just as those Pharisees did. When we do accept, actively and positively respond to the light God gives us, we take another step ahead. And if we keep on responding, God will bring us face to face with Jesus and the opportunity to accept and worship him, just as this man, born blind, did. This lesson applies to believers as well as those who do not yet believe. Always respond positively to God's light, His truth. Whenever God speaks to you as you read the Bible, 
or listen to someone talk about it, whenever he shows you some truth, points out some things you should do or not do, accept that. Actively and positively respond to it. Bringing glory to God, growth and fulfillment depend on always accepting and responding positively to God's light. For all of us, always respond to the light we now have. Then, too, accept that people normally move through stages in responding to God's light. It is not always a straight, uninterrupted line of acceptance or rejection. There are zigzags and detours along the way. The man Jesus healed moved from interest to faith in a very compact space of time. That still happens. Many go through a longer process. People normally move through stages in responding to God's light. Don't give up on anyone. As long as there is life, there is hope. A third lesson Jesus shows us is to speak the gospel clearly and carefully. None of us have the insight and clarity Jesus has, which we see here. But we all as believers have the Holy Spirit to teach and guide us. Clear and careful communication of the good news of Jesus does not come out of the blue. It takes time in God's Word, time to think through and personalize your own witness and preparing for questions. Think of the people you want to come to know Jesus, how they think, where they are at. Some of them will not have much understanding of church language. Words such as salvation, redemption, justification, sanctification. These terms we use can be like a foreign language to them. A woman tells about her mother flying to visit her. Her mom's English was just about non-existent. So she asked the airline to alert the check-in counter staff to be aware of this and help her mom out as much as they could. Just before boarding began on her mom's flight, the following announcement was made in English. Will the woman who does not speak English please come to gate 22? That wasn't helpful. Neither is assuming that people we witness to understand our church language. Communicate the gospel clearly and carefully. One final lesson. Remember that ultimately, the work and response is between God and the individual. You and I don't save anyone. God does that. The most logical or creative presentations have their place, but as the Apostle Paul wrote, it is the gospel which God uses as the power to salvation. Again, he wrote in chapter 2 of Ephesians, God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the boundless riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, 
and this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. This is all God's work, what he does. Now, don't go to the other extreme of thinking, well, if God wants to save them, he doesn't need me. He won't use me, or all I can do is live my life and pray. Be faithful to do your part. God will do his work. Your response to God's light determines your destiny. One historian tells us the ship Greyhound had been thrashing about in the North Atlantic storm for over a week. Its canvas sails were ripped, and the wood on one side of the ship had been torn away and splintered. The sailors had little hope of survival, but nonetheless they worked the pumps, trying to keep the vessel afloat. On the eleventh day of the storm, sailor John Newton was too exhausted to pump, so he was tied to the helm and tried to hold the ship to its course. Newton's godly mother died just before he turned seven. He had been at sea since the age of eleven when he first sailed with his father. After his father retired, he was forced to serve on a British warship. In time, he deserted. After he was caught, he worked out a deal to be released to work on a slaver ship where he was brutally abused. He was rescued and continued at sea, eventually becoming the captain of his own ship. On this day, March 21, 1748, with the storm raging fiercely, Newton had time to think. His life seemed as ruined and wrecked as the battered ship he was trying to steer through the storm. He had a reputation for profanity, coarseness, and debauchery, which even shocked many sailors. He was known as the Great Blasphemer. Newton later wrote, On that day the Lord sent from on high and delivered me out of deep waters. He observed that day each year for the rest of his life with humiliation, prayer, and praise for the great grace of God that reached him and transformed him from a wretched sinner to a child of God. Later he became a minister and wrote his testimony in the song we know so well. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. Let's move from God's light to John Newton 275 years ago, and the man born blind in the Pharisees 2,000 years ago, to you and me today. Question. Can you honestly say that you are responding to the light God is giving you now? It appears that most of those Pharisees died in their sin and will forever bear the just judgment for their sins. Then there are believers who have wasted a lifetime of opportunities and responsibilities for growth and service by saying, Someday I will get more serious. Pay attention to this. Take up that challenge, but never get to it. Begin a serious look at how you are responding to God in His light to you.
Thank God for his grace in giving you the light you have. Thank God that Newton's words are true. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Don't excuse yourself from acting positively now. Respond to what God is showing you now. Bow with me in prayer. God, our loving, merciful Father, thank you that you love us, that in your love you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to do what we can never do, to be cleansed from sin, be made holy and acceptable to you. There are things we do not fully understand. We know that you have chosen each believer before time began, but you also tell us in your word that we must respond to your light, to the gospel, to Jesus, to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light in Jesus. Thank you for your beyond-our-understanding work of saving us by your grace through faith in Jesus. Our response to the light you give us determines our destiny. I pray for each one who has not truly come to you through Jesus, that they would respond to the light you are showing them now and come to you. I pray for each one of us who know you that we would truly respond to. Walk in the light that you give us now, each day, through your word, through the guidance, conviction, and encouragement of the Holy Spirit. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.